0: Welcome to the Parkway Life Church podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. We're always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I feel like I have something to share with you today, and it's going to come from way down deep in me. And... Um... I want you to receive that word and let it minister to you. Say, somebody say, speak to me, Jesus. And uh, because I believe he's going to do that through his word today. I'm going to start a series today, a three-week series, and I'm going to simply name it Advent, the Season of Hope. And this word, Advent, is a little bit foreign to us um, but I hope to, by the time you're, we're through with this, even today, you'd understand a little bit more about what I mean when we say Advent. And, uh, and I do hope these next three weeks, as we head towards Christmas, that you feel hope in this message and feel the strength of the Lord. Advent is a season. It's a seeding, season of waiting and preparation. It is a time to anticipate. God's coming into our lives. It's anticipation. And Advent is a Latin word that literally means coming, coming. Christians have spoken for years of three comings or three advents of Christ. And it's all talking about Christ. We're in the season of Christmas, and so I think this is a very apropos message to preach at a time like this because it's moving to, to where we're going in Christmas and, and, and to understand we need that expectation, that waiting on the Lord, that desiring the coming. And there's three comings of Christ. The first is what we celebrate in the flesh of Jesus coming in the, in the or God coming in the manifest in the flesh in Bethlehem as a baby. So that's what we see first. The first advent is that he came in the flesh in Bethlehem. The second advent, the second coming, is when God comes into your heart. And so Christ manifests himself up in your spirit and your life. And because of that, there are fruits that are born. The fruits of having his spirit and having him in our life. And how many of you remember the day when Jesus came in? And if you don't remember that day, it can happen today. Can I get a witness? And then the third advent is looking towards the glory of him coming back again for his church. And if you have, you already know that he came in, the, in Bethlehem. You know that he's come into your heart. And if you have him in your heart, there's this longing, of you know, this expectation For him to come back in that third Advent and see him face to face when he calls his church home. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day. So this season offers the opportunity to share in something that I like to call the ancient longing. The ancient longing. We can literally, this is so cool, y'all. We can go back and connect with the Old Testament in this Advent. And we can go back 50 years ago. We can go back... Uh, wherever you want to go, and Christians of old, from the Old Testament to now, and understand and participate in the longing that they had for Christ, the Advent. So I love it that I can connect with that longing. I can connect with the early church. I can connect with the Acts church. I can connect with the Old Testament church and with my brothers and sisters in Christ as we have this longing for the coming second coming. Second Advent. Say all of so many distractions, and they open the doors of of, uh, retail places all across. Laugh. But people stay up all night. They, like, get a tent, and and, and, and and I'm talking about, like, to get in, like, Target. And I'm going, what is in there? <laughs> and I hear that there's, like, $30 off an item or something. I will pay $30 not to wait up all night. Uh, but. Fall over the- Damn, about to knock out the place. Even if it's to save $100 or something like that. But what happens? What made them do that? Expectation. What made them, maybe for all the wrong things, but expectation, desire, passion, waiting, something in their gut. Perhaps all of the Christmas distractions cause us to miss the meaning of Advent. We miss the meaning of His coming. Check this out, people. It's coming among us. We think of a newborn baby, the sweetness of a little baby, but it's the Almighty God who has come to earth. That's big stuff. So I'm talking about. Who is that? The this created in who? Yes. All right, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through through Him and for it's about Him, isn't it? Next, next to this, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, 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 he might have the supremacy. Oh my God, I get the Holy Ghost shivers on that one, all right? For God was pleased to have all this fullness dwell, dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. (laughs) Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, but, now somebody say but now. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Oh my God, oh my God, my God. Verse 23, and if you did all that, you got all that, if you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel That is the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have became a servant. Give it up for the word of God today. Just incredible, incredible. Let me wrap all of that up in one sentence. Can I do that? It means this. He is the center of it all. It's Jesus. Whether you like it or don't like it, it's all about Jesus. He's the center of it all. And so I ask you this question today. Is Jesus the center of your life? Read it on the screen here today. Is Jesus the center of your life? Big question right there. We could really stop right here and let you marinate on that all week and answer that for yourself. But I'm going to keep trying to flesh this out to help you make that choice. Is Jesus the center of your life? God created us. God created us for us to make Him the center of it all. I'm going to explain that statement. God created us for us to make Him the center of our lives. And at first... When we say that, it sounds like such a self-centered God. But I want you to think of it like this. If, if we took the sun, now obviously the sun, everything rot- rotates around the sun, the S-U-N, the sun. And everything, all of the galaxies orbit around the sun. But if we change that for a minute and place the earth, in the middle of all the galaxies, we would find that the earth could not hold them. The power of the earth, the force of the earth could not hold them all together. But the power of the sun, being 30,000 times bigger than the earth, has the power to hold the galaxies through a gravitational ability, hold them together together. Holds all the solar systems in orbit. And if not, if we had the earth there instead, instead we would all die. Let's say it like this. If the sun were a person, were a person, the most loving thing that the sun could do would be to keep itself at the center of the universe. And so it is with God. We were designed to live and thrive when God is at the center of our lives. Everything seems to work together. Everything seems to orbit together. We move and operate as long as we keep him at the center of our lives. But the story, I'm sorry to tell you what I'm about to tell you, but the story of the human race is that we, check this out people, we put ourselves at the center rather than God. Explain it to me. I don't know why, but we get to thinking that we are the best. We get to thinking that we have all the answers and we take God out of the center and put ourselves in the center. The Bible tells us that God created the whole universe as a demonstration of His glory. With with the tip of His finger, He flung the galaxies into existence. With a word, He created mountains and rivers and carved out sunsets. And He did it all through the power of who He is. Again, and it all points back to Him. And He created us. Finally, He created us. He created us, the human race, the crowning Image, the crowning piece of his creation, the thing that he most loved, the thing that he was most excited about creating, his crowning piece, he created all of us. And he did so, the Bible says, in his image. (claps) And he did it all to enjoy the glory with him. And we're there. But then just before he was finished. He formed us, he breathed life. But right before he's finished, he did something unique and I'm gonna say this metaphorically, but he did this by handing us this unique thing that the creator did, he hands you and I the paintbrush. And he says, I'm not gonna make myself the sinner, I'm gonna give you the ability To draw in the center of his creation. I want you to do it. I hand you the paintbrush. And he steps back this great God anticipation for his loving children. To draw in the glory of who he is. And he let us decide who should be the center of the whole thing. Who would be the most important. Who would make up all the rules. And you and I have this moment and the angels stand all waiting and and even the devil looks on and checks and waits on us to see what we're going to do in this moment because the way we react to this is the way he's going to move towards us and so we grab the paintbrush and we paint in self self what? what are you possibly doing? do you not understand the glory and the magnitude of he is but yes we do Unbelievably, the human race paints in their self. Why did God even give us an option? Why did he even say, here's the paintbrush? Because God knew that what every person who has ever been in love knows, that it's only love when the person you love freely chooses to love you back. It's not love if you make them love. It's not love if you want them to love. It's love if they have the ability, if they have the paintbrush, and they receive your love and paint back with love. And so we took that paintbrush from God, and we did the unthinkable. unthinkable. We painted in ourselves, not God, as the center of our lives. We said, God, I don't want you to be in charge. I want to be in charge. I want the glory. Now, let me give you a little example on this because right off you're going, well, I didn't do that. Let's just talk a little bit. When my kids were born and we began to raise them, we taught them a lot of words, but one of the words that we did not teach them is mine. But they just seemed to know that word. Am I right? Are my kids the only ones? What do they do? They grab the toy. Mine! You're going. Yes, ma'am. They grab and they got a little attitude. Nobody, nobody. We didn't really start. I didn't get my kids and send them to selfishness school. They just were selfish. They wanted everything for themselves. I didn't send them to a camp called Me First Camp. No, but just as little babies. They started crying, thinking that it was all about them. And I learned later that they learned all of that from their mother. <laughs> huge mistake in the message. Huge mistake in the message. No, they didn't. They didn't have to learn it from anyone. Anyone. It came natural to them. Naturally. Naturally. They took the paintbrush and painted in them themselves. Let me prove it to you. Now we, we get older and we get more sophisticated, but we still paint in ourselves. Let me, let me show it to you. How many of y'all did Christmas cards this year? Anybody? Oh, it's it's a Harvey Christmas. Ain't nobody did no Christmas card. I told Adina, I said, we should have done Christmas cards with us standing in the water about this deep and saying, God bless you from Harvey, you know. But if you if you do any kind of picture, Christmas card, let's just say Christmas cards or whatever, you get the little picture of your family or you whatever. You get it, anytime you get a picture, you get that. You go to Walgreens, you get the pictures out, you look at them. You base whether it's a good picture or not. Do I have to say any more? You base whether that picture is good or not based on what you look like in the picture. Come on. Your sister can be like cross-eyed in the picture. Your dad can be dropping his toupee. It doesn't matter if you look good. You're like, yeah, I'm good with it. This is a good picture. Or you will stop it. you look, everybody else looks great. And if you guys, oh, no, we cannot do that picture. If you don't believe me, how many stinking selfies do you erase before you send the one that you want to send? Come on now, can I get a witness? Because we are about us. We're even self-centered in how we approach religion. Let me prove that to you. We start praying and Our prayers sound a lot like, give me, give me, give me. God, give me this and God, give me that. God, make everyone behave the way I want them to behave so it makes my life easier. Pay him back for what he did. Smite her. And when God doesn't do that, on the timetable that we want him to do, We get self-righteously irate with him. Hey God, what what's wrong with you? God, aren't you listening to me? Don't you get it, God? Hey God, it's it's about me. It's about my needs. And eventually, if God doesn't get on board, and this 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 statement that I'm about to make are to rattle your chain. If God doesn't get on board with my prayers when I pray, we threaten him. Oh, this is so powerful. We threaten him with disbelief. I don't even know if I can believe in you anymore. I don't even know if there is a God. I think I'm going to get bitter at God. Why? Why? He took something from me. He didn't do everything revolving perfect the way I wanted to do it. And and so I'll threaten him. I'll go on strike. I'll raise the flag. I'll do this. I'll be full of disbelief. Because he's got to revolve around me, not me revolve around him. I'll show you, God. I won't give you the pleasure of my faith. I won't give you the pleasure of my worship. I, I, I'll, I'll get stuffy and, I, and, and I'll, be, I'll be all puffed up and when they're worshiping, singing, there's no way I'm going to worship. I'm a little ticked at you, God. A little angry at you, God. You took something. You didn't come through anymore. And I'll show you. I'll... Be on strike with my worship. I know you want that and I'm not going to give it to you. And we put ourselves at the center rather than God being at the center. And that is called sin. S-I-N. Notice what is in the middle of that word. I S I. And in, in the middle of that is what I want to do the way I want to do it. The world is full of it. They're eat up with it. If not, this church, we ought to have 15 church services on Sunday based on this area and how large it is. But people are eat up with self. We're eat up with self and it's a constant struggle to get us outside of ourselves long enough to just take an hour and a half on Sunday morning and it not be about me. And it's difficult and it's struggling. We wrestle with it. So God, we'll let it, we'll do it once a month, maybe. We're still going to be in control. We'll give you this much. We'll let this much go. We'll we'll do this. Don't you understand? It's 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 not about it's not about you just walking in the church. It's not just about you paying tithes. It's not just about, it's about the fact it's all this big struggle in your life, no matter what it is, no matter what the situation is, is God coaching you and by his grace helping you to see him. In your life. Does that make sense to anybody here today? King Solomon said it like this. He said in Ephesians 3 and 11, God left eternity in our hearts. Did you hear that? He planted like a seed in our hearts eternity. And there is nothing that can meet that eternal need outside of the eternal nothing. Pascal said, famously called it the great abyss that exists in the center of every human heart. It's there. And we can stuff and try to put everything inside of that that God-shaped hole in our heart and nothing. We stick romance in it. We put romance in it one after the other, one after the other, and one after the other, and we're left empty and broken trying to control our own lives and we stick success inside of it and we put the things and we hang them on the wall and the degrees and and we're left still just, just... empty and family won't do it. It seems like, oh, that's what will happen and I'll, I'll, you know, I've chased my career and that didn't do it, but now family and we start having babies and children and that becomes our desire and our passion and nothing wrong with all of that, but then we're still left empty and broken and we definitely can see that in, in this season that we're in because over the next month, you're just going to be hanging out with family a lot and you're just praying that you don't go to jail. Because there's people in your family that they're not meeting the need. And family didn't, although it's wonderful and it's great and success and all the things we just said, none of those things are meeting that need in our heart. And so we're left spiritually empty and inside of our universe, inside of this thing that God had made. I put myself in the middle and I want God and everything else to orbit around it. And because of it, it starts bringing out issues within my soul called loneliness. Why is December the loneliest time for so many people? America gets so lonely during this time, right? Am I telling the truth? Why is it? They are not having expectations for the advent of Christ. They have expectation of everything else. The new gift, the new car, the new this, the new that, this under the tree, that diamond ring. And when we get to the end, nothing else meets the need and I can only think how lonely, how broken how desperate I am and when you think about that the first thing you want to do is stuff it with something else don't you might see, don't you see today that that is that is the beauty and the goodness of God, the Bible says he is rich in his mercy the mercy of God has allowed you for a moment to see the loneliness that you cannot meet your own needs by yourself and what you're fighting against is God saying, hey, wait a minute what you feel, I can fill up for you, but you've got to not be the center, you've got to let me be the center of your life. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Because He so loved the world He came to earth in pursuit of us. This God who's rich in mercy thought enough of me to see me in my brokenness and where I drew the paint, we use the paintbrush to draw the wrong thing in. And he says, that's all right. They're never going to feel the void. And so I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to have an advent. I'm going to have a coming. And I'm going to come down. I'm going to touch them. And I'm going to love them. And I'm going to show them that I care. And a baby is born. Don't you see the baby is born to die? We can cuckoo at the manger scene, but he's born. He goes, wah, because God came down to earth. And in a baby, he's about to give it all in mercy for you and I who painted the wrong thing when we painted our lives. Is that all right today? It's not a beautiful sight, is it? In fact, Romans chapter six twenty three says the penalty for that, guess what it is? It's death. Romans chapter 3 says every one of us have done it. Romans chapter 6 says the penalty is death. And so God came down in the form of a baby, and that baby was born to die for your junk, for my junk. Born as a baby so he can live the life, die the death in our place. And he offers himself, his sacrifice as a gift to everyone, and this is what he wants you to do, I just want you to receive my gift. That's all, that's all I'm asking for. Just receive me. Take me in. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try another way. I'm going I'm to show you how much I love you, and I just need you to receive it. And then I ask you that very serious question today. Have you received him? Have you received him? Have you welcomed him? into your heart have you said Lord I need you it's tough it's tough for us to mouth those words because it means I'm not the sinner but Lord I humble myself enough to say that I'm not my own God I can't save myself and so I come to him And I ask him, Lord, I need you in my life. I need to receive you. It's called the gospel. And until you understand the gospel, you'll flounder all your life. But this is the gospel. It's the gospel that he didn't ask you to require you to pay the penalty. He paid it for you and asked you just to receive what he's already done for you. Folks, we got it stinking good. You hear me? We got it so good. We got it so good that religion has tried to make different ways that we can try to earn it. But he says, I'm not needing that. I'm needing you to just stop, listen, receive. Do you feel what I feel in this room right here? What you feel in this room is the holy presence of God. It's not a great singer. It's not a great preacher. Don't you get it's not even about us? We're just the mouthpieces to tell you about his greatness. But again, as y'all come today, again, this is what happens at the end of every service, at the end of every moment in life. Look at me close. Listen to me. I know there's movement, but hear me. He hands you back the paintbrush. He never takes the paintbrush. He never draws him in. He asks you to do it. He hands you the paintbrush. What do you want to do with it? Have you received him? Jesus is the center of it all the author the finisher of our faith and I feel a holy presence here today I read from you from Colossians chapter 1 it's all about him all of the Old Testament points to him all of the New Testament points to him and he says I'm showing you through my GPS map that it's about me just stop for a minute And understand, it's not about your degrees. It's not about how wealthy you are. It's not about who you are, how good looking, how, no. It's about one thing. When you take the paintbrush called choice, do you have an expectation? Do you have a desire for the advent? coming of the Lord into your life. Is that beautiful today? That, my friends, is the gospel. Died, buried, resurrection, Pentecost, the coming back. It's all up in that. It's the gospel. It's the glory of who He is. Don't discount that.